Welcome to episode 52 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, be known for something that matters and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we talk about why something being easy might feel wrong or bad, or like you're doing it incorrectly. We discuss the value of hard work and the value of easy work. And we share our experiences of things getting easier and why that's a good thing, not something to be questioned. Plus, I'm going to share the book that is next on my list that I am very excited to read because it ties in beautifully with this idea of easy and hard. And it's gonna give, I'm sure, a very thorough deep dive into how to make things easier. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. I have two questions for you. First, do you ever question when something feels easy? If it feels too easy, you must be doing it wrong or you've missed a step or you're going to pay for it later. If it's easy, it's going to be hard somewhere down the road. Question two, have you bought into the idea that the only things worth doing are the hard ones? That if it's hard, it's somehow more valuable or more important? I am raising my hand to say yes to both of these. I question when things feel too easy and I am guilty of thinking that the only thing worth doing is something really hard. And for the record, even though I'm saying yes, I don't think I'm right. Liz, what about you? I am a sometimes yes to the first one and I am a no to the second one. You win. <laughs> Nobody wins here. <laughs> I don't know. I can tell you some of the ways I've lost. What I will tell you is that I'm really proud of being able to do hard things. I love to rise to the challenge and to talk myself through something. And oodles of people, myself included, keep Glennon Doyle's I can do hard things in the back of our minds as a reminder of what we're capable of doing. There is certainly value in doing hard things. There is nothing better than celebrating when I've successfully done something really challenging. But does that mean that the only things of value come from struggle? There's a, there's a head no from Liz that I'm like, yes, we're on board here. I really love the news app. I am shocked at how much time on my phone and my like weekly screen time report is spent in the news app because I don't think of myself as a news junkie. But I do find myself reading articles and sending them to others fairly often. And at one point, my husband, Robin, a self-proclaimed cynic, read something I sent his way and went on a rant about how fear and struggle sell. This will not surprise Liz. You have been present to some of these cynical rants. And when he said this to me, my instinct was like, yeah, duh, of course, fear sells. Of course, struggle sells. You're not telling me anything I don't know. But it also made me think, if struggle and fear is what we see in the headlines, do we get trapped in thinking that that's the only way, that everything has to be hard? 
or everything we do requires some type of hack or a five-step process to make it easier or some TikTok genius who has figured out this thing. I am not here to go on a rampage about the media, but I think that easy has a bad rap and I'm guilty of buying into this. Liz, you buy into this less than I do. You have somehow cracked the code. Weigh in, LP. What's coming up for you? Well, I think we're starting to see a shift in the incessant fear and struggle as a means to sell something, to sell a message. Or at least I am. I don't know if it's the people I follow or the media that I consume. And we'll never see it shift to the ideal positive perspective that we would all like to see. But I'm starting to see a lot more gentleness. I saw this messaging around the beginning of the year, especially around setting goals and setting resolutions for the new year. Struggling to achieve a new year's resolution is hard, depending upon what goal you set. There's a lot of struggle right in that. These resolutions are really hard. And I saw a lot of messaging about how it doesn't need to be hard. You can ease in. You can make a plan that works better for you. It doesn't have to be hard. You can just be. You don't need to improve. So I think that maybe we're starting to see less of the five hacks to make this year your best year ever sort of bullshit I think we're maybe starting to see a little bit less of that um and I hope that that trend continues I think you're right and I I I definitely I mean we've seen the hashtag new year say me like let's stop with this the old me is broken and I agree with that I also wonder if it's just the things that I'm clicking on that it's working and I am more drawn to the pieces that talk about fear and struggle and hacks and tips. So maybe that's part of it, just what I'm drawn to consuming. But I also think there are certain industries or areas of life that struggle is the only thing we see. So, I mean, of course, COVID is a big one, but I'm trying to think of other areas that I'm like, all I hear about is how hard this is and how bad this is and how much it sucks. And the one area that comes to mind is parenting. I see a lot about this. I have no doubt that it is unbelievably hard and challenging, but I'm like, where is the parenting article that's like, let's talk about how amazing this is. Let's talk about how I trusted myself and I was a beginner and that worked for me instead of just five ways to make your toddler sleep at night, or I don't get any sleep. Here's how I function. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's an excellent point. I'm speaking from my feeds and my algorithms and the echo chamber that I live in. Uh, But yeah, of course, of course there are, are struggles and, and things that need some of that, but I wish that there was more of that kindness and encouragement, like the I did a good thing today. I trusted myself. I made good choices. I got through the day sort of as as, instead of so much focus on the fear and the bad side of things. And if you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. So here's my tips. I will make you a better human. I will make sure you are unbroken. 
Um, the, this idea of easy and hard has stuck out so, so much to me that I, I'm starting to, I've questioned when things are easy. In episode 51, I shared that for the first time coming back into work after taking two and a half weeks off, it was one of the first times that I came back to work feeling like I know what I'm doing and I'm not questioning myself. I'm not questioning what I do or my competency or my pricing or how to do what I do. In fact, I don't even think I'm that rusty. And I started feeling excited and empowered. And then this little bit of doubt crept in that was like, but it's supposed to be hard because if it's hard, then it's worth it. And having to kind of talk myself back out of that and going, no, no, the fact that it's easier feels like a good thing. In the last few months, I feel like I cracked the code on entrepreneurship and running a business. And I laugh at myself saying this because I imagine that many people listening to this are like, yeah, well, duh, we knew this, but I'm sure there is at least one other person out here who's saying, okay, what do you mean you cracked the code? I asked myself and some of my clients, all of us at this time, teetering on the edge of burnout and exhaustion, three questions. Number one, how can you do this work in less time and make more money? Two, how can you do more of what you're really good at, the easy things, and get paid for them? And three, how can you create a life that isn't all about doing hard things all the time? When I say I cracked the code of entrepreneurship, I feel like I hit on something that we're all really trying to do. How do I take less time and have more impact? How do I do something more efficiently and make more money? How do I do what I'm best at and exist in that zone of, of genius instead of the zone of incompetence and do things quickly and do them well and make an impact and make a difference and make money and live the life that I want? And that's the code that I think we're here to crack. So I'm trying to do more things that come more easily to me and to do fewer things that I am doing simply because they are hard and I think I'm supposed to do hard things. I'll be honest, for the first time since I've been doing private coaching and strategy sessions, which is over two years and really over my entire career, it's feeling easy. I don't need as much prep time. I connect the dots between what people are saying more quickly. I have more tools in my toolbox to support what people are saying. And when people share, it's likely that it isn't the first time I've heard something like what they share with me. And I wanna reiterate that just because it feels easy, it's not because I've gotten lazy or because I'm phoning it in, or because I'm cutting my prices in half and giving it away for free. It's because I've been doing this for a long time. I've formally been doing coaching and strategy for two years. And informally, between teaching and selling and grad school, I have been active listening and connecting the dots and, con and connecting with people and building relationships for over a decade. In fact, if it wasn't easy at this point, I think I'd be worried then. If 
everything was still a struggle, I would be worried at that point. Did things like meeting a new client for a potential strategy session freak me out? You betcha. Uh, did I used to have more intense Sunday scaries? Absolutely. Did I come back from a break thinking that I forgot what I do and how I do it and question everything? I absolutely have, but not anymore. What about you, LP? Are there things that used to characterize your work that felt hard, but don't feel hard anymore? Yeah, I think of, I think of writing and articles I used to write, even four or five years ago, it took me a lot longer to go through that process than it does now. I had a lot of second guessing. I also had a really tough editor. So that might've been part of that feeling, but I'm much more confident in my writing than I ever used to be. Writing didn't used to be a big part of what I did other than of course, social media copy, but I'm talking longer form blogs or articles. I didn't do as much of it then one, because it wasn't a huge part of my job, but two, I didn't have the confidence to take on more. And now it's a huge part of the work that I do. And I don't second guess outlines or pitches like I used to. I I think I'm a completely different person when it comes to taking on those tasks than I ever used to be. And I think you outline an important point, which is that there's second guessing of the actual task. And then there's a second guessing of this is too easy. I must be doing it wrong. So there's kind of two things at play here that even if you've built the confidence and you're not second guessing doing the task, there's this like meta second guessing of, I know I'm good at this, but for some reason I'm second guessing, am I actually good at this? Is it feeling too easy? I'm doing it wrong. I've gone soft. I'm missing something. Yeah, if I, if I think back to LP of four or five years ago and how long it would take me to write a blog post and then I write a blog post now, there is that little moment of, is this the quality of this good? Because I did it in a fraction of the time it used to take me. Is that good? You know? And I think it's, what's so interesting here is that there's this added layer that this is what we do as a career. We are talking about our, our work tasks and projects and pricing comes into play because I think we can get trapped thinking, well, this used to take me three hours and now it only takes me 45 minutes. Therefore I should be charging a third of the price. When in reality, number one, that's fucked up. Uh, Number two, the only reason I can do this in 45 minutes is because I have spent years honing the craft and getting better at what I'm doing. So yes, it's taken me years to get to this point of efficiency. And yes, what you're paying for is that, that speed, that efficiency, that expertise. I think about this a lot with photographers where you will see some photographers who offer three hour sessions and some photographers who offer an hour long session. And if they're the same price, sometimes the instinct can be, oh, well, if it's the same price, I should get three hours. But there's also something to be said for hiring a professional photographer who will get all the shots required 
in one hour because they know exactly what they're looking at, they know exactly what they're looking for. Chances are they've developed some type of mood board or you've had a conversation about what you're looking to achieve. And I think for people who are trying to embrace the freedom and the flexibility that we have in our lives, getting some of that time back and working with other people who are more efficient and have more expertise and more confidence is worth that money. I will pay a little bit more for that convenience and that expertise. You've heard me use the phrase mental health money. And to me, mental health money is, I mean, the origin of mental health money is that over 10 years ago, I was traveling in Europe with my friend Ember and we were supposed to go to Nice in France and friends of hers that were just there said that the hostel we were staying at had bed bugs. And so at this time we, we were, had just finished university and had to really sit back and go, do we spend the extra money on the hotel or do we save some money and increase our anxiety about staying in a place that potentially has bed bugs and then carrying it through our next three or four cities. So mental health money is this concept that was created saying, pay for the hotel, save the energy, get rid of the anxiety. It's not worth carrying that with us. And so I think that when we, when we talk about something being easy or more efficient, it is worth more money because you're working with somebody who is, is skilled, who has honed their craft and who knows what they're doing. The book that's on my next to read list will not surprise anybody who's talked to me uh, is Greg McEwen's Effortless. If you know me, you know that I am a big fan of his book, Essentialism. I read it at least once a year. It's the book I am reading now. I joke that I will read it over and over again until I truly practice these principles. So at one point in my life, I won't have to keep reading it because I will be living it, but it's, it's a work in progress. And the premise of his book, Effortless, the, the subtitle is Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. The premise of this effortless action is to accomplish more by trying less, to stop procrastinating and to take the first obvious step, to ditch some of the overthinking and to make progress by pacing yourself instead of powering through. So I have heard some mixed reviews on the book and I'm really looking forward to, to digging into it. So stay tuned because I will undoubtedly be sharing some of, of the snippets some the takeaways, the ahas that I'm experiencing as I go through this book. Liz, you're a big Succession fan. Huge Succession fan. I'm only on the beginning of season three. Oh, get moving. It gets so good. It's already so good. It gets better. Oh. <laughs> the, I mean, number one, the fashion is incredible. Just give me Shiv's entire closet. Uh, the reason I bring up Succession is because in season two, Roman Roy, played by Kieran Culkin, says, I work hard, but I don't play hard. Why would you play hard? I play easy. <laughs> and I think this is such a brilliant take on the old work hard, play hard idea. I think about this phrase a lot. Number one, because I think it's hilarious. Number two, because 
it's taken me a while to learn that there isn't anything wrong with easy. Just because the work that I do appears easy or feels easy to me doesn't make it less valuable. And it doesn't mean I should do it all for free. It means that I'm more efficient. I have more practice and I know what I'm doing. And that is expertise. And that feels so good. On my wall in my office, I have a quote from my favorite movie, A League of Their Own, when Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan says to Gina Davis as Dottie Hinson, when she's about to leave the baseball league, this movie came out in 1992, so I am not apologizing for spoilers. It is the 30th anniversary. If you have not watched the film, that is on you. And Tom Hanks says, it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. And I keep that up there because number one, it's, it's one of my favorite lines from my favorite film. And, and I do think there is value in hard, but I don't think there's only value in hard. I also think there's value in easy. I think there's value in efficiency. And even though the word effortless gives me some no feelings. I think I would like to not have to toil or struggle as much to reach my end goal. The reason that that gives me no feelings is about 10 years ago, I, I knew a couple who described their relationship as effortless. It's just effortless. And exactly, Liz's face is exactly what you would expect right now. It's a, a cringy eye roll, vomit in mouth, where I'm like, you know, I'm actually okay if my relationship takes effort. I want my relationship to take some effort because that's what relationships require. They require compromise. They require communication. That does take effort. So even though I don't love the word effortless, it is, it is the next book that I'm reading and I am keen to find some more easy. Liz, is there any place in your work or your life where you're looking for more easy? I think for me, especially as we're just kicking off a new year, I am looking for easy with determining my schedule. So for me, my schedule changes from semester to semester, depending upon how many courses I'm currently teaching. And I have the biggest course load I've ever had this term. So I'm looking for easy when it comes to striking the balance that I need between coursework and client work, but also between all of the work and no work. Right. So there's coursework and client work in one area. Then there's work in general and home life in another area. So it's finding some some ease so that your time isn't occupied by being stressed out about time and about how you're going to balance it. Yeah, that's absolutely it. And because it is a new scenario for me every single time, it feels a little bit like starting from scratch to build a schedule. So looking for easy, looking for grace as well with figuring out what that looks like for me this time around. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing for me and I can't imagine I'm alone in this, is to, to drop the guilt around ease. 
I'm e- if it's easy, I feel bad. I have to somehow make it hard or make it challenging. And that's one of the things that I'm really focused on. And I would love some ideas from our listeners. What is something that you find easy and want to do more of? I want to kind of take away the, the fear or take away the, the veil on, I have to pretend this is hard so that I can charge what I charge for it. Or I have to pretend that this is really challenging so I can justify it. But instead, let's, let's talk about some easy. I think it's important to remember that hard things are hard because they're hard, not because they're more important or they're more valuable. Yeah. Hard things are hard because they're hard. Right. And because chances are you've never done them before. Yeah. It's okay to be a beginner at some things. They're going to be hard and it's okay for things to be easy. It's easy because it's easy. It's hard because it's hard. As my therapist would say, neutralize the narrative. I don't have to judge something is easy or hard. It's more valuable. It's, it's more work. It's more important. It just is. Let's get down to business and take the next step instead of ruminating over whether it's easy or it's hard. And a big piece of that, that you beautifully outlined LP is figuring out how do we make some of those boundaries in the different areas of our lives also feel easy? How do we make the transition between work and home easy for you, the work between teaching and course load and client load easy or switching gears between writing and podcasting versus strategy? How do we make that, that transition a little bit easier so that we can get not only more done, but more of the right stuff done so that we can get more of what we want. So please join us on Instagram and share with us. What is something that you find easy, dare I say effortless, and that you want to do more of? Let's take away the shame, take away any guilt, and tell us what are those easy things that are easy because you're an expert. If you enjoyed this episode and want more deep dives into ideas like these, sign up for more of my musings in the AW newsletter at theamandawagner.com. Bonus, I published a blog on this same topic with some more examples. I've included the three questions that I asked my clients, and it will be sent out to all newsletter subscribers. So sign up for that, and you can dig a little bit more into where this came from, and I will share with you the post on Instagram that sparked this all for me. Ooh, it is exciting. Yeah. You know, blogging newsletters. I'm a holy woman, Liz. Look at you go. Okay. So that is a wrap on episode 52. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode where we'll be talking about finding the fit between your business and the people that want to hire you. So pumped for that. Yes. We have such good stuff coming down the pipeline. Big thank you to our Instagram followers who will DM us or answer questions in our stories and tell us, I want to hear you and LP jam about this. We take those suggestions really seriously and it helps make our episodes better. It helps us think about where we want the podcast to go and what we really want to deliver to you in terms of value. So big thank you. I am stoked for the next episode. And keep that feedback coming. We will continue to ask for it. But if you think of something off the top of your head while you're out grocery shopping or you're listening to an episode, please just drop us a line. 
and let us know so we can continue to make this podcast exactly what it is that you need from us. If you have not yet seen my new website, shameless plug, there is no shame in beautiful work. Head to theamandawagner.com, check out the beautiful colors, beautiful new layout, and sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com. And my website is not near as pretty, but if you need help with social media and digital communications, you can visit mine, lizpittman.com, or connect with me on Instagram at lizpittman. As I mentioned, we'll be back in two weeks with our brand new episode. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Whenever I think of your website, Mm-hmm. I remember the day that you got your photos. Cause I picture your pleather pants and yep. your purple shirt. And mm-hmm. I remember that was the day you got the lemon meringue pie. Yes. A picture of you in that outfit with like your hair and your makeup all done, just eating this pie out of the pan. I was a good, good day. <laughs>